At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer from the low. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We are going to be joined by mid-major Matt, better known as Matt Josephs. He does a terrific job handicapping the game of baseball and Really handicaps a little bit of everything. He's going to be coming out with his college football previews for Athlon Sports, and he bets baseball many different ways. Going beyond just the generic side in total, does a lot of K-props, does a good job looking at some in-game opportunities, does a nice job as well looking at first five, first threes, list goes on and on. We're going to be talking about with him what we've been seeing on the Philadelphia Phillies recently. He does a great job keeping up with all things Philadelphia sports and gauging what he likes on the betting board for this Sunday and also going to be hitting upon some of those player props that he's going to be taking a look at as well in the final segment. Going to be giving you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And we've got one or two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, let us see Maybe it does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but had a great day of baseball on Saturday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Giants avoid falling below 500 for the first time all season because they wind up taking down the Slam Diego Padres by a count of 3-1. Carlos Rodon, a very good start. 
complete game. 12 punch outs for him. Allowed one run along the way and Wilmer Flores' home run in the eighth inning, enough to be able to power the Giants' victory. Done home run season. That comes off of Luis Garcia, who gave up two runs in an inning as you Darvish. A very good start, giving up one run in seven innings. Been very solid at home. His home and road splits says he wanted getting into San Diego right around 2.3 points lower on his ERA at home rather than on the road. Tim Hill was able to give you a scoreless inning, but a little bit of a rough one there for the San Diego Padres. And speaking of low-scoring games, we wound up seeing a pair of games wind up landing 1-0. On Saturday, the Philadelphia Phillies, they take down the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of 1-0. Cardinals have exceeded three runs in just one game this month, by the way, as the difference in this one, Alec Bohm's RBIs, Kyle Gibson, seven scoreless settings, Jose Alvarado, Corey Knebel, able to give you a scoreless setting for there, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, Dakota Hudson did his part, six scoreless settings, Genesis Cabrera, Jordan Nix combined for a scoreless setting, Ryan Elsley, scoreless setting before Giovanni Gallegos. Winds up giving up a run in his ending of work as Paul Goldschmidt. 0 of 4 at the plate. Not a lot going on in Orioles versus Angels as Patrick Sandoval ends a good start but is a tough luck loser. 1 to 0 at the final as Sandoval. 10 strikeouts in 6 out of 3rd innings. Allowed 1 run. Andrew wants a scoreless ending out of the bullpen and Aaron Loop. He provides a pair of outs as well but for the Angels, nothing doing for them as Mike Trout has been in an almighty funk. You take a look at what has been going on with him thus far in the month of July and he has one home run and he's been hitting a buck 48, so that is not necessarily been too terrific. And for the Baltimore Orioles, you wound up having Dean Kremer give you five scoreless innings from there. Bruce Zimmerman, two ends, Joy Crebo, Felix Batista, Ore Lopez. They combine to be able to give you four scoreless innings as the Baltimore Orioles, top six team in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. It's a little bit more scoring with the Cleveland Guardians. 13 to 1. They completely pummel the Kansas City Royals to Sean Easley. He got four outs, and he gave up six runs, all of which were earned. That is not a start that you're looking for. As for Cleveland, going deep off of him, Jose Ramirez, 17th home run season. Amit Rosario will go deep off of Michael A. Taylor later on in the game, fourth home run season. Then you would have the first home run of the season for outfielder Nolan Jones. And for Jones, he winds up going deep off of Jackson Coer. Coer winds up giving up five runs in two and two-thirds innings. Wyatt Mills and Amir Garrett combined for three scoreless innings. A pair of guys have not been great this year, but Michael A. Taylor, position player, had to pitch a final two innings, giving up two runs over the course of two innings. And for the Guardians, Tristan McKenzie was on his game. Six scoreless innings. Brian Shaw allows an unearned run in his inning of work before James Karinchuk and Nick Sandlin combined to be able to give you two scoreless innings. The New York Metropolitans in 10 innings. They take down the Miami Marlins after a routine ball to the pitcher. Wound up creating an overthrow, and the Marlins from there wind up losing by kind of 5-4, to four. and if you had the under in this game. Three runs in the extra inning frame wound up costing you in this as for the Miami Marlins. Braxton Garrett, not a great start, not a terrible start. Five and two-thirds innings, the last three runs, all of which were earned in a pair of homers. Francisco Lindor, 15th home run season. Pete Alonso, 23rd from there. Dylan Floor gives you an out of the bullpen. Eliezer Hernandez, Steven O'Kurt, Anthony Bass. They have you hook, line, and sinker, giving you a scoreless setting for all three of them. And then Tanner Scott, two unearned runs as he was hurt by his own fielding error as he wound up throwing the ball away. And for the Metropolitans, one Carlos Carrasco gives up two runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings. Seth Lugo, Edwin Diaz both provide a scoreless setting before Edaban Avino gives up a solo run in his one and a third innings of work as A.C. Seguiar takes him deep for his 11th home run season. But he wound up having a scoreless 10th inning out of Colin Holderman that allowed the team to be able to get the victory. The Arizona Diamondbacks have been the top under team at home this far this season, but they played an over on Saturday, 9-2. They wind up taking down the Colorado Rockies as Kyle Freeland turned into Kyle Free run as he wound up giving up six runs 
in six and a third innings and was taken deep by Jordan Luplo, 11th home run season. Meanwhile, for Bandison Baumgartner, gave up a home run of his own on the flip side, but gave up just two runs over the course of seven innings as Chris Bryant goes deep for his fourth home run season. Carlos DeSeves, pair of outside the bullpen for the Colorado Rockies, and Yuli Chassin gives up three runs in an inning and for the Diamondbacks. Sonny Ramirez, Caleb Smith, both give you a scoreless inning. For the Houston Astros, they wind up losing as nearly a $3 favorite in a lot of spots. Oakland takes them down by a count of 3-2 to two as Rambo Valdez actually pitched a complete game, giving up three runs, two of which were earned along the way. He was hurt by his fielding a little bit in this one. And for the Houston Astros, just not a lot doing on offense as Zach Logue wound up getting the start and didn't look bad. Two runs given up over the course of five innings and an A's bullpen that has been struggling recently came together. A.J. Puck, Domingo, Acevedo, Luke Trevino, I'll give you a scoreless setting as Zach Jackson along with Sam Maul were able to maul the other team down being able to get a scoreless setting. The Atlanta Braves don't cover the run line, but they cover the money line, taking down the Washington Nationals by kind of 4-3 to three as for Patrick Corbin. Another relatively bad start for him, giving up four runs over the course of six innings. And for Corbin, the team is out 4-14 four and 14 as 18 starts with out of those 14 losses, 11 of them coming by multiple runs. Steve Ciszek, Mason Thompson, they both give you a scoreless hang out of the bullpen. And for the Washington Nationals, they were able to cover this run line because they were able to get a pair of home runs off of Kyle Wright. Juan Soto gets his 17th home run season, and Yadier Hernandez is 16th as for Wright. Gives up three runs, including those two bombs over the course of seven innings, but Will Smith, A.J. Minter, both give you a scoreless setting. And for the Atlanta Braves, Austin Riley wound up taking Patrick Corbin deep, his 22nd home run of the season for the Tampa Bay Rays. Back-to-back days in which they wound up having heartbreaking losses against the Cincinnati Reds and extras. 5-4 to four the final in this one for the Reds. They had scored three runs or fewer in seven out of their last nine home games prior to this one. And they got a good start out of Hunter Green. Nine strikeouts. Did wind up walking four, but gave up just one run over the course of six innings. Things wound up getting harebrained if you wound up having a total of nine under as this one pushed thanks to having three runs in the 10th inning there. Hunter Strickland along with Buck Farmer both give you a scoreless inning. Ian Gabo gives up two runs in an inning and Jeff Hoffman an under and run in the 10th inning. And for the Reds, they do wind up stranding 14 men on base, but Brandon Drury, pair of doubles and a pair of RBIs for the Tampa Bay Rays. Drew Asmussen just was not long for this game. Four scoreless innings, but jacked up his pitch count. From there, Jalen Beeks, Ryan Thompson, they have to combine for two scoreless innings. Jason Adam gives a scoreless inning as well, but Brooks Raley, he went off the Raley's. He winds up giving up three runs in a third of an inning. Colin Pooch along with Matt Weisler. They combine for one and two-thirds inning scoreless before Kelvin Fotcher comes into the game. And he gave up two runs, one of which was earned without getting a single out. Speaking of extra innings, the oldest rivalry in baseball went to extras in the Yankees and the Red Sox. If you, like me, want to have in the over in this game, this was a gift. Five runs in extra innings pushes this one over, and the Red Sox, they rally from down two in the 10th inning to win by a count of 6-5. Jordan Montgomery, a relatively solid start, giving up two runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings, including a home run to Rob Revsider, third home run season from there. Michael King gives up one run over the course of two innings. Flay Holmes winds up giving you four outs of the bullpen scoreless before Wandy Peralta gives up three runs, two of which were earned in extras for the New York Yankees. Josh Allenson all of a sudden has gotten off for this team. RBI in three straight games in this series. Aaron Hicks was able to go deep off of Cutter Crawford. Sixth home run season, but for Crawford, good start here for Boston. One run given up over the course of five innings, considering and the other guys had done in this series. That was good. Ryan Brazier gives up two runs in a third of an inning. Matt Stram gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and then you wind up having two scoreless innings out of Tanner Houck. John Schreiber winds up giving you a scoreless hang, and then Jake Diekman gives up two runs, one of which was earned, but it was enough for the Red Sox to be able to get him the win as they went 5 of 10 with men in scoring position, despite the fact that Rafael Devers was out of the fold. The LA Dodgers have now, out of their 55 wins, 
149 by multiple runs. They wind up taking down the Chicago Cubs by kind of 4-2. As for the LA Dodgers, you had Freddie Freeman come up with an RBI hit late in the game to be able to cover that run line, and Jake Lamb winds up going deep off of Rowan Wick, second home run season. For the Cubs, you did have Marcus Stroman be able to give you four scoreless settings and then a bullpen that has not been good all season long. Well, guess what? They weren't good. Rowan Wick, pair of outside the bullpen, giving up three runs, including that bomb. Michael Rucker winds up giving you one and a third inning scoreless. It's got Efres, along with Brandon Hughes, both give you a scoreless setting in. For the Chicago Cubs, they had a tough time getting to Mr. Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw gives up two runs, one of which was earned over the course of seven and two-thirds innings, hurt by a Trey Turner fielding here. Evan Phillips gives you an out out of the bullpen, and then Craig Kimbrell. Hasn't necessarily been trustworthy this season. Scoreless setting to be able to get it done. The East Seattle Mariners, they take down the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of 2-1, to one, and another great start here from Robbie Ray. Gives up a solo home run over the course of six innings, but more importantly for Robbie Ray, he has given up four total runs over the course of his last six starts, Looking like a Cy Young Award winner right there. Short Springer did take him deep. 16th home run season. And Alec Manoa, well, because of the bullpen situation of the Blue Jays, and to try to eat as many pot innings as possible. Not a bad start here. Seven and third innings. Does give up two runs along the way, including a home run to one Carlos Santana. Fifth home run season. From there, you did wind up having Yimi Garcia give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen in Seattle. They had the back of Robbie Ray. Matt Prash is now coming out of the bullpen. For the Mariners, he, Andres Munoz, Diego Castillo. All able to give you a scoreless setting. And for the Mariners, second best bullpen area in the big leagues over the last 35 days. You wound up having the Detroit Tigers and Chicago White Sox play a game with an interesting total. This game was 6-0 after two innings. Game winds up staying under as the Tigers muster nothing on offense. 8-0 the final. Johnny Cueto, a very good start in this one. Eight scoreless innings. And then Jose Ruiz cleans things up in the ninth inning. And for the White Sox, you did have Gavin Sheets go deep for his sixth home run season as Garrett Hill. A terrible start in this one. Gives up those six runs in the first two innings. Did wind up completing five innings, giving up those six runs. Will Vest from there gives up two runs in an inning, but you did wind up having Cody Clements, the, I believe, son of Roger Clements, position player, give you a scoreless inning, and Jason Foley, a scoreless inning as well. If you had me over in this one, I have thoughts and prayers for you. Those of us with the under certainly are going to take that, and if you wind up having a big plus ticket on the Pittsburgh Pirates, you're going to take this one. Four to three, the final. Pirates wind up getting it done as Zach Thompson not necessarily the world's greatest start. Two runs surrendered over the course of four and two-thirds innings, including a home run surrendered to Luis Urias. Tenth home run season, and for Brandon Woodruff, three runs given up over the course of six innings, but bullpen didn't wind up helping him out. Brad Boxberger allows the eighth home run in his inning of work going deep. Ben Gamble, fourth home run of the season. Then Hobie Milner along John L. Gustave. Both give you a scoreless saying, but for the Buccos, a bullpen that has an ERA north of five over the last 30 days and second worst in the league in that time span. They got it done. Chase Young, pair of outs out of the bullpen. You did have an under run given up by Eric Sout in his pair of outs out of the bullpen, but Dwayne Underwood Jr., William Crow, David Bernard are all able to give you a scoreless setting. And then the DK Nation pick of the Walker Texas Rangers. It was airy, but it winds up getting there. They get up 3-0. to zero. They give up a six spot in the fourth inning. Just a rally and win by a count of 9-7 to seven as wound up seeing a lot of power in this one. Jose Miranda gets a seventh home run season. And then Gary Sanchez is 10th of the campaign as Martin Perez entered into this game. Having given up just four home runs this season. He allowed two in this one. Giving up six runs over the course of six innings. But the team now 12-1 and one in his last 13 starts as he gives up the six in his six innings. He did wind up having Dennis Santana give up a run in two-thirds of an inning. But Matt Moore gets an out of the bullpen. And then Brett Martin along with Jose LeClerc. Both able to give you a score of setting in for Texas. You wind up having Cole Calhoun and Marcus Simeon both get their 11th home run of the season off of Devin Smeltzer. And Smeltzer gives one up to... 
Corey Seager as well. His 18th home run season. Smelter, by the way, has now given up 13 home runs over the course of his last, I believe now, eight starts giving up those three bombs, seven runs in total, of course, so three and a third innings. Griffin Jacks gets Jacks up to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Trevor McGill, two scoreless innings, and then you wind up having Ty Duffy give you a scoreless inning before Yohan Duran gives up two runs in his inning work for Texas to be able to get the job done out there. And speaking of being able to get the job done, if you've been taking a look at totals, you've been able to do a little bit better if you've been taking a look at the under, especially over the last seven days. And over the last seven days, it has been a little bit dog-centric as well as underdogs are 49-50 and 50 over the last seven days. That's very nearly 50-50. So if you're taking these plus prices over the last week, it's been going well for you. And in this time span, 57 unders to 37 overs. So we've seen a little bit over 60% of games go under the total. If you're looking at the season to date, it's still been a little bit rough for underdogs. Favorite still hitting at a 59.3% clip, 749 and 514 straight up. And unders, they're back to 52%, 624 and 576 and something I've been outlining this year. Home favorites not being able to cover the run line. We have now seen in 153 instances, home favorites wind up winning by approximately one run to not cover the run line. 477 and 332 are home favorites straight up. That's a 59% clip, but just 324 covers of the run line. And if you're taking a look at the last 30 days, we have seen unders hitting at about 52.5%, 207 unders to 186 overs. And in the time span, underdogs hitting at 42.6% clip, including a lot of bigger underdogs. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we want to see in Major League Baseball on Saturday. Now let's turn it forward to Sunday and get the thoughts of this slate from our good friend Mid-Major Matt, who does an absolutely amazing job handicapping baseball. And as you can tell from the namesake, does a great job in terms of college sports as well. He's going to be joining me next to break down the start right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Craig Peterson, now a part of the Reason Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. 
But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that. See that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson family of podcasts. Great to have on our guest as Major Bat, better known as Matt Josephs, does an absolutely terrific job handicapping the game of baseball. You're able to catch him if you're out there in more of the Richmond areas. He does some great radio out there. On top of that, he is getting set for the upcoming college football season. He always does his previews for Athlon Sports, does an amazing job there, and does an incredible job as a baseball handicapper, and does a great job taking a look at a wide variety of things. Not just the basic side in total, but taking a lot of look at a lot of player props, a lot of not just first five, but also first three bets. I know he does quite a bit when it comes to in-game betting with teams that he finds with not necessarily such trustworthy bullpens as well and does a great job there. And to be able to follow him on Twitter, that is at Mid-Major Matt altogether. And Matt, great to have you aboard. Thank you. And thank you as always. Always appreciate coming on the show. I always appreciate you joining me. And Matt, I know you're a man in which Philadelphia is near and dear to your heart. And it has been very interesting to see what we've been getting out of this Philly team over the... I think five weeks, last five weeks or so, that is the best way of being able to put it as they wound up playing a one to zero game against the St. Louis Cardinals on Saturday. And we're going to be seeing them go with sort of a bullpen game on Sunday. Nick Nelson is going to be going on the mound, probably not the most ideal situation there. But I know that you've been someone that has made a lot of money fading this Philadelphia Phillies bullpen. And I did the research over the last 20 days. They've got the best bullpen area out there in the big leagues. And what do you make out of this? Because I feel like it's a little bit of a small sample size, but 
ever since Joe Girardi wound up getting out of the fold for the Philadelphia Phillies, this team has really turned over a new leaf. Yeah, I think it's good that Thompson, Rob Thompson has been able to get his head out of the books and stuff like that. You know, Joe Girardi was a very book-heavy manager. He always went by the trends. He always went by the numbers. And sometimes you kind of have to go with the feel. And it's funny because... You know, on Saturday, I'm sitting here cursing uh, Rob Thompson out because I'm saying, why are you putting uh, Corey Kniebel in as the closer? He put some runners on base, but he still got through it. So, um, you know, it's a bullpen that's figuring out its roles. Jose Alvarado is a guy who walks some batters, but still manages to get around. He throws over 100 from the left side. And so I think people are starting to finally settle into their roles a little bit. And the manager is starting to use a feel more than just going by the book. Yeah, it has been interesting to take a look at that. And the Phillies, they certainly have been reaping the benefits. And even without Bryce Harper as well. And without Harper, it's been a little bit more rough for the Philadelphia Phillies over the last two weeks, but still, by and large, they've been able to pick up a lot of wins. And when it comes to the game that we're going to be seeing on Sunday between these two as well, what I think is the biggest headline out of all of this, the St. Louis Cardinals over the last two weeks have completely forgotten how to hit. Here in the month of July, they have scored three runs or fewer in all but one of their games thus far this season. I'm not sure about you, but this has really caught me by surprise. I recognize that you've got ups and downs in Major League Baseball, but this St. Louis Cardinals team that has been relatively solid on offense all season long, they just have not been able to find it the last two weeks or so. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where they beat up on Kyle Gibson in Philadelphia, and then they turn right back around at home where you figure they would continue to hit, and they only get two hits against him. And it's just, you know, to, if you look at that lineup, though, I mean, it's it's Arenado and it's Goldschmidt. And it's really one of those things where if those two guys aren't hitting, then the, uh, the other guys around them just are too inconsistent. You know, some of the guys that are the younger guys in the lineup, they're just not hitting right now. And, I, you know, I've noticed this sort of thing, and you just mentioned it, how few runs they're producing. It's a contagious thing. If people... People start hitting, then the more runs start scoring. And when Goldschmidt and Arenado are struggling, that's uh, what's happening right now. Yeah, no question about it. It certainly has been a case of which Arenado and Goldschmidt at the top have been two of the better table setters out there in Major League Baseball. But you got a lot of guys behind them that they do an okay job of being able to get on base, not necessarily a ton of power, and they have been dealing with a few injuries on top of that as well. It's joining me on the podcast. We do have mid-major Matt, a.k.a. Matt Josephs, joining me on the podcast at Certainly that Phillies versus Cardinals game is one that I'm going to be taking a look at. And I'm not sure about you, but I think that it's going to be interesting to take a look at the game that we're going to be getting late night. Yankees and Red Sox, first few games of the series have involved, shall we say, lopsided pitching matchups with guys like Carter Crawford, Josh Winkowski, gentlemen like that getting the start for the Boston Red Sox. But I feel like we've got a little bit more of an even pitching matchup in this one. Nick Bavetta is going to be going for the Red Sox. James to tie on for the Yankees as we're doing this. Yankees find themselves right around minus 125, minus 130-ish favorites. And I think that this is a relatively correct number. I think that the Yankees should be a little bit closer to a minus 135, but this is not a number that I think is like badly off or anything like that. Not sure what your thoughts are in terms of the Yankees-Red Sox, but I think that this is going to be a relatively solid pitching matchup, and I think that it's going to be interesting to see if the Red Sox are able to salvage this series after it did not wind up going their way, especially on Thursday. Yeah, Nick Pavetta has been so much better than April when he had an 8.27 ERA and four starts, and one of those starts came in Yankee Stadium against the Yankees, gave up two home runs and a 4-2 loss in that game. You know, Pavetta's not exactly coming off of a good one against Tampa Bay either. That was a real head-scratcher. Seven runs and eight hits and five and two-thirds innings. But Pavetta, the month before that, had been so good and had been good for almost two months and kind of bringing down that 
that ERA after a disastrous start to the season. Tyon's another guy that I feel like is very hit or miss. Sometimes he's really good. Sometimes he's not so good. Obviously, these two lineups are pretty good, although we saw that, um, you know, there's a little bit of an injury issue at times with the Red Sox and things like that. I mean, it's hard to not bet the Yankees when you see that number. I know it's on the road. And of course, bullpen usage uh, the night before is going to certainly come into things. But it's hard to not bet the Yankees when you can get a manageable number like that, especially on Sunday night baseball. You know, they're going to put their best lineup out there. You know, they're going to have everything ready for this one. Yep, I am right there with you. It's been a Yankees team that has been historic to this point this season, all that they've been able to do. And you mentioned it with the bullpen. They have been just so supreme. What I think is also interesting when it comes to just gauging Sunday night baseball as well as after Sunday night baseball, Boston is going to have to go on the road and then play against the Tampa Bay Rays. So looking forward to Monday, is that one where you wind up downgrading the Boston Red Sox a little bit more? Because I've just noticed teams coming off of Sunday night baseball, they have not been able to do very well whatsoever. And feigning teams that they wind up playing off of Sunday night baseball, I would say not even just this year, but the last three, four years, that's been highly profitable. Yeah, it's one of those things you definitely look at. And you're seeing a game where, um, you know, Tampa Bay and them just played a week ago in July 4th, July 5th, and July 6th. And Springs pitched in one of those games, and he's going to get a chance to pitch against them again at home. It'll be interesting to see. I don't love rematches, especially quick turnarounds and young pitchers. You know, Springs is such a young pitcher, and it looks like it's going to be Bellow in the other one or one of the other pitchers uh, for Boston. But, I mean... You know, it's definitely a situation to take a look at. Maybe you look at like a team total under for the first five or something. If the if Boston goes late into the night, we know how long these Red Sox Yankees games go. They usually go four hours at least. Yep, that is a rivalry that is unlike any other, including how long the games wind up going. To your point, I think that that's actually very important to point out because when you wind up having to travel out of city. After like, say, midnight, like you figure that the Red Sox might have to do in this spot as well. That is something that winds up taking the wind out of your sails. As joining me on the podcast, we do have mid-major Matt, a.k.a. Matt Josephs, joining me. And when it comes to Sunday, we've got some interesting pitching matchups because we've got a couple guys that they're a little bit less than trustworthy in terms of starters. I mean, they look at Colorado versus Arizona, not necessarily the world's greatest pitching matchup there. But we've got some really solid guys as well. I'm talking about Sandy Alcantara. You take a look at someone like a Michael Kopech. He's been a little bit up and down this season as well. Shane Boz of the Tampa Bay Rays. We mentioned it with the Yankees versus Red Sox. So a little bit all over the place in terms of the level of pitching that we're going to be getting on Sunday from game to game. But have there been any pitchers that you've been taking a look at in terms of what we're going to be getting on Sunday in terms of their strikeout prop or whether to back or fade it? Well, Baz and, and Lodolo are going to be very, very interesting because Tampa Bay this year has only had more than five strikeouts once against lefties. And it was ironically Yusai Kikuchi who had eight. Other than that, they've been really tough. They're actually averaging 2.8 strikeouts against left-handed starting pitching so far this season. But Lodolo's coming off a really, really good outing, his first one off of an injury. So I'll be interested to see what that number is. And then you look at Cincinnati. Cincinnati against right-handed starting pitchers, their last eight or nine or so, eight 8, 7, 11, 10, 9, 11, 7, 4, and 6 strikeouts. I'll be interested to see. I'm guessing they're going to set a 5.5 or so for Boz. That still may not be big enough because the Reds are in one of these stretches here where they're going over a ton. So, yeah, uh, interesting matchup there. And, of course, you know, Mackenzie Gore is a fascinating guy because we know how good he is, but he's having this problem with walks. Uh, if you look over his last six starts, he's had three walks or more in all six starts. And he's got nasty stuff, but if he can't stay in games and can't maximize his amount of pitches, then he's a guy that you're going to want to look at for just the first five. He's only gone over five innings 
two times in his last five starts. So Gore's a guy that's got really good stuff, but he's got to take care of those walks or else he's just going to be a five-inning guy. I think that that's so good that you point that out with Mackenzie Gore and something else that I point out with him as well is that his two cataclysmically bad starts wanted coming against the Colorado Rockies. Other than against the Rockies, he got a sub-2 ERA, which I always think that that's really interesting. We sort of wound up seeing that with Anthony DiScalafani of the San Francisco Giants last year where the Dodgers just completely pummeled him and against everyone else, he looked like actually a really good pitcher. So I always think that that's something to take a look at and I'm glad that you brought up this Rays versus Reds game as well because what I've noticed with the Cincinnati Reds is that this was a bunch that at home, they were just piling up the runs. They wound up having a 25-game stretch in which they put up four-plus runs in 23 of them. This has went straight down the toilet bowl as they have scored four runs or fewer, and I believe now all but two of their home games this far this month. What do you make out of a team that they wind up having some very demonstrative home and road splits, and then much like we've seen with the Cincinnati Reds, they just come completely crashing down, much like they have here in July. Yeah, it's one of those things where you're looking at overs, and obviously the books know it because the Reds have such a bad bullpen, but at home, you're going to get something a little bit from their offense, and it's funny because you look at who those guys are that are gone. You know, Winker and Suarez aren't exactly doing anything in Seattle, and Castellanos in Philadelphia has actually been pretty miserable for most of the season, too. So it's almost like you all would rather be back in Cincinnati where they were hitting last year. So yeah, the Reds would be a team you kind of look at at home in terms of the over. And you would also potentially, if you want to back the Reds, you want to isolate the first five. The other thing I kind of noticed is they've let their starting pitchers go a little bit longer because of how bad the bullpen is. Guys like Mike Miner and some of that where they are allowing them to give up a couple runs, yet still go longer in games if you ever take a look at like the outs market, which I know some books have. Yep, and with Mike Miner, boy, that guy's not been one that you've wanted to trust in thus far this season. And Nick Lodolo, actually a really good start when he wound up going up against the New York Mets a couple days ago. That was the 1-0 to game in which Max Scherzer wound up also coming off the injured list as well. So joining me on the podcast, we do have mid-major Matt, a.k.a. Matt Josephs. And Matt, we've taken a look at a few of the marquee games that we're going to be getting for Sunday. I know that you've done a good job of taking a look at some of the guys that are going to be looking to backslash fade in terms of player prop market, in terms of the strikeout props. And I will say this, because we are doing this Saturday night, we don't necessarily have hard numbers on the strikeout props just yet, so I know that that's going to be varying a little bit for you, Matt. But with that said, is there anything else that you're taking a look at in terms of Sunday, whether it be just a team in general that you want to be taking a little bit more of a look at or something that you might be planning to bet? Well, I mean, it comes to when you're looking at the K props, the Cleveland Guardians are the team that you always want to look at. So far this season, they've gone under the total in 52 of 77 line games. And the reason why I say line games is because sometimes they're starting pitchers or openers and books don't provide the numbers for that. And it's, it's funny, if you look over this current road trip that they've had, the numbers that the books have put up, three and a half, three and a half, one and a half, two and a half, four and a half, and three and a half. And they've still managed to go under in a bunch of those. So to see a guy like Zach Granke, who's very crafty, who is not what he used to be, but certainly uh, throws the off-speed stuff. It'll be interesting to see what that number is because if it's too high, you're going to look at an under, and if it's too low, there's a chance you might look at the over. One of the reasons why you might look at the over is Austin Hedges is, is healthy now for the Cleveland Guardians, and he is a miserable catcher. He's hitting around like 130 or something. Great defensively, but he is a strikeout liability. Unfortunately, I was bit by that a couple of days ago already, so make sure if you're looking at this Guardians game to see if Hedges is in the lineup because that may decide if you go under or over on Granky's K-Prop. Hedges never winds up hitting except for what I wind up taking an under in a Guardians game. Without fail, he winds up in those unders, winding up 
actually looking like it combinated or it's just the way that it seems to always wind up going. So a little bit of a sore spot there, but I am in agreement with you on that as the Guardians. They are the team that's taking out the fewest times on a per game basis as well. So always interesting to take a look there. And Matt, I know you do a great job with that K prop market, which you wind up just laying out. And on top of that, I know you're doing a lot of things. You do a nice job day in and day out. Taking a look at the baseball betting board. I know that you're getting set for the college football season. And you, much like myself, are a lover of college basketball as well, which is why you've got the namesake, mid-major match. So love the good people at home. Know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, at mid-major Matt on Twitter. And uh, I notice always you get questions about first fives or props or things like that. And that's not necessarily up your alley in terms of how you handicap things. So certainly if anybody wants to ask, they can do so. And uh, in the next couple of weeks or so, as we approach college football, my Athlon articles will be out. I give my opinion or no opinion on every college football team and NFL team in America. So uh, certainly looking forward to that. Also got some vacation time coming up that'll kind of clear the senses a little bit as we approach this football season. And as you mentioned it, college basketball also not too far away. A lot of transfers, a lot of things to take a look at. We will certainly do so, but uh, always appreciate the time here on the show. And always appreciate Matt's insights. He does a great job taking a look at a wide variety of things in Major League Baseball, everything from just taking a look at a few normal sides and totals, and then he winds up going deeper when it comes to K-props, even some first threes from time to time. He does a great job taking a look at the game of baseball and also on the college side of things, college football, college basketball, guys in ace there as well and always brings it on this podcast so big thanks to matt josephs aka mid-major matt for joining me right here on the baseball betting show now part of the Beeson family podcast and coming up next it is that time to podcast thank you for you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this mlb sunday as we touch them all at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think. Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Eastern Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get mid-major Matt, a.k.a. Matt Joseph's, on the podcast, does a terrific job being able to handicap the game of baseball. As we know, with a name like Mid-Major Matt, during the college basketball season, he's going to be tearing it up. And I know that for those of you guys that love college football, he always does a great job with his previews over there at Athlon Sports as well. So great to be able to get him on the podcast today. And always great to be able to pick his brain as well, just because he's a man that he finds like 15 million billion different ways to be able to bet on baseball rather than just the traditional side in total. He's able to go into a lot of player props. He's able to dive into even things like the first three, be able to take a look at some in-game betting opportunities as well, which he has lent on this podcast in the past. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there. So I'm about if we wind up getting down to business with this first National League game of 951-952. On the betting board, the Washington Nationals, they hit the road to face off against the Atlanta Braves as Ian Anderson is going to be going for the Bravos, and Paulo Espino is on the bump for Washington. Washington has found themselves... Anywhere between a plus 180 to a plus 185 underdog between minus $2 and minus 210 is your price on Atlanta. 9.5 is your total. 
Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105. And when it comes to the Atlanta Braves, I did wind up setting them in this spot at a minus 219. And if you are taking a look at the run line, you're going to be laying minus 110 on the Atlanta Braves. As of right now, I'm willing to go up to a minus 125 on this run line. So I'm going to be setting there. And when it comes to the Atlanta Braves, it certainly has been a case in which Ian Anderson has not necessarily been the greatest in terms of command. 4.1 walks per nine innings. He's been getting right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but it's looked a little bit better recently. He's had in his last four starts, two in which he has given up zero or one run. It's been certainly a year that he would like to forget, though, overall. 509 ERA, and it's been a little bit worse at home rather than on the road. 561 home ERA, 472 ERA on the road overall. He has given up 10 home runs over the course of his 81 and third inning, so not too bad there. And for Paul Espino, the numbers for the season, not shabby. 333 ERA, but I still recall when he was getting meaningful starts last season, he's given up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings. And the home run bug, it seemed to be creeping up upon him once again. He has allowed a grand total of six home runs over the course of his last four starts, going five and a third innings or fewer in every one of them. He has allowed three plus runs in three out of his last four starts. Just a guy that I think he's better suited as a long reliever because he gets figured out second and third time through the order as he's given up about 1.5 home runs per nine innings. And for the Washington Nationals, just a team with a lot of power in general. Juan Soto has been able to give this team 17 home runs as far this season. He's starting to cook a little bit. So he's now hitting a 240, but you still expected more out of the gentleman that wanted to begin the year at the top of the odds board in terms of National League MVP, Josh Bell, along with Lewis Garcia, are both hitting a little bit above a 300 for Bell. He's been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers. Got a lot of guys like Nelson Cruz and Asa Hernandez in between about a 240 to 250 of Long Key, who's been in and out of the fold. He's been able to raise that average to a 260, but in Atlanta Braves, they've got significantly more when it comes to the lineup. It's Dansby Swanson, Michael Harris, the second, both hitting right around a 300. Austin Riley has been on absolute fire, by the way. 21 home runs as far this season, but you take a look at what he's been able to do over the last three weeks. He has been hitting nearly a 350 for this bunch, so he has certainly been able to find it there. You've got Marcel Zuna, so I've been able to give you 17 home runs as far this season, and Travis here no. Getting on base, hitting a 270. Dansby Swanson, throwing batting average, double-digit amount of formers in the Atlanta Braves. Certainly have a big edge when it comes to the bullpen. Tyler Mazik, he is now back to full for the team. Dylan Lee has posted up a sub-2 ERA. Will Smith has been up and down this season, but he and Jesse Chavez have been able to lend some relatively solid innings for the Washington Nationals. Andres Machado, Rasmo Ramirez, Longer levers for this team have not necessarily been too terrific. Carl Edwards Jr. has been relatively okay. Steve Ciszek now has a 4.50 ERA. Kyle Finnegan has been all over the place. I really don't have a lot of faith in this bullpen. I think that Espino is going to give up some hard contact in Anderson. He's been giving up a few runs all season long, so I do want to say Matilla at a 9.8 and a 9.5. I'm looking over, but I think that the Braves are going to be able to take Espino deep, get into a bad bullpen, and win this game of multiple runs. Looking at the Braves' run line and looking at this total over. 953 and 954 is the DK Nation pick. The Miami Marlins at the road face off against the New York Mets. Taiwan Walker is going to be going for the Metropolitans, and one Sandy Alcantara is going to be on the bump for Miami. Miami's finding themselves anywhere between plus 105 and plus 110. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Metropolitans, it's anywhere between minus 119 and minus 125. 7 to 7.5 is your total. On the 7.5, under is minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the 7.5, the over is minus 125. And the under is plus 105. I want making the Miami Marlins about a minus 125 favorite. They are the DK Nation pick, getting a little bit of a plus price. 
Sandy Alcantara has been lights out, and he has been, I mean, I wish I could use a different work, but he's been magic this season. It has been absolutely ridiculous to take a look at what this guy has been able to do thus far this season. He has now went 11 straight starts, giving the team at least 7 innings in every one of them. He has allowed more than 2 earned runs in just one of these starts. If I had to vote for National League MVP right now, I know that it might sound a little bit blasphemous, but it would go to Sandy Alcantara because without him in the fold, this is a Miami Marlins bullpen that they're right now hovering right around 20th. With regards to bullpen ERA, Sandy Alcantara takes so much of this bad bullpen out of the fold, the Miami Marlins have had a tough time putting bad to ball in. Every time Sandy Bynes have taken the mound, he gives this team a chance to win. And to illustrate this point with the Miami Marlins, you do have a pair of guys that are able to get on base in John Birdie along with Gary Cooper at the top with Birdie, he, and Brett Anderson throwing their ace USA gear as well. In between about a 250 to a 265, I will give a little bit of credit to Miguel Ross after a bad start to the season. He has really been able to pick it up recently, hitting above a 300 over the last 30 days. And then you've got Nick Fortes, who's been able to hit right around a 285, but you really don't have any power whatsoever in this lineup as the only guy with the double-digit amount of homers that was in the lineup for Saturday. That'd be Jesus Aguiar, especially with Vicio Garcia having some struggles thus far this season. Then you do take a look at the Mets and got a lot of guys that they have been able to get on base for the team as Luis Colorme along Starling Marte, both hitting about a 290. And then you've got Mark Canna, Pete Alonso, Brandon Nemo in that pocket of a 275 with Alonso, 22 home runs and leading the league with 69 RBI entering into Saturday. And he did wind up going deep on Saturday to be able to lengthen that a little bit more as well. But with the New York Mets, bullpen for them has been a little bit up and down as well. And you know that Taiwan Walker, not going to be lending the same length that Mr. Sandy Alcantara has been able to do. Colin Holderman, he's been a little bit up and down for the team. Julie Rodriguez is posting up north of four ERA. Drew Smith seems to be getting figured out a little bit more. This is someone that over the last 30 days, he's got north of a 4-6 ERA, so things are not necessarily going so great there. They wound up using up Seth Lugo yesterday, and for the Mets, they have had Tywon Walker get, in my opinion, a little bit lucky thus far this season, and we saw it with him last year. Tywon Walker last season was giving up right around a half home run per nine innings going into the All-Star break, and then after the All-Star break, his nickname became Ickery because he wound up getting smoked. Thus far this season, Puck 86 ERA at home, 344 ERA on the road. He's given up no home runs in 29 innings. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression there. And with Sandy Alcantara on the flip side, he's given up just six home runs in 123 and a third innings. And for Sandy, he has excelled both at home and on the road as he's got an ERA that is hovering right around a 211 when he has been on the road. Buck 59 and home, just two home runs in 55 and a third innings when he has been on the road. I am going to be trusting in Sandy Alcantara in this one. I think that Taiwan Walker, a guy that really is not getting a lot of swings and misses right now. His strikeouts per nine rate hovering right in the neighborhood above a 7.3 is not going to be able to hold up at the point of attack in this one. DK Nashapik going to be on the Miami Marlins on the money line and with this total, I want to say my total at 7.3. Personally, I would rather have a 7.5 under rather than a 7 over, so we're going to be taking a look at the Miami Marlins. That'll be for the write-up for the DK Nation pick, and I'm going to be taking a look at an under as well as we wind up going to 9.55, 9.56 on the bank board. The Pittsburgh Pirates, they hit the road to face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Eric Lauer is going to be going for the crew, and Jose Quintana is going to be on the bump for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is finding themselves between plus 150 and plus 155 underdogs, and with the Brewers, it's saying we're team minus 165 and minus 175. Eight is your total. Under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105. I did wind up saying my total at an 8.8. Jose Quintana 
If you take a look at the advanced numbers, he is doing for a little bit of regression. And Eric Lauer, boy, he is probably doing for a little bit of positive progression. He looked a little bit better in his last start against the Chicago Cubs. Wanted giving up one run over the course of six innings. But prior to that, he was really getting shelled. He had given up at least three runs in each out of his previous six starts. Now, a few of those starts did wind up involving a few unearned runs, but certainly not what you were looking for there. And for Eric Lauer, the swing and miss stuff has just wound up progressing a little bit. Towards the beginning part of the season, he was getting north of 11 strikeouts per nine innings. That's down to right in the neighborhood about 9.7, 9.8 per nine innings. The walks aren't necessarily too bad. He's giving up 2.9 walks per nine innings. And what I will say about Lauer is that he has been significantly better at home than on the road. 213 OMRA, 524 ERA. On the road, he's given up right around about 1.2-ish home runs for nine innings when he's been at home on the road. That winds up ballooning to north of two. And for Jose Quintana, 3.33 ERA overall. He has been not necessarily getting a bunch of swings and misses thus far this season, but that has been beginning to pick up a little bit now. He's up to about eight strikeouts per nine innings. And on the road, 3.86 ERA compared to a 3.02 home ERA giving up a home runs per nine rate of about 0.8. So, all in all, has been relatively sub. But for the Pittsburgh Pirates, this team has a bottom three bullpen in terms of ERA over the last three days. And this is despite the fact that pretty much all but seven of their wins have come out of the bullpen this season. You do have Yuri De Los Santos, Taylor Beatty, along David Pinar, who have all been sought out of the bullpen. All these guys, a 362 or better ERA. But Eric Stout is someone that you really can't trust in. Chris Stratton has north of a five ERA. So, there have been some rough pieces and. For the Milwaukee Brewers, Josh Hader going into what we wound up seeing on Saturday. He had allowed at least one run in each out of his previous three appearances. Devin Williams has been giving up a few runs as well, though he's been able to round into form ever since a little bit of a rough start to the year. Holby Milner along Brian Boxberger have been able to do a nice job for the team, but for the Milwaukee Brewers, you do have your question marks when it comes to this offense. You do have a few guys in the middle that they've been able to get on base. Omar Nervias, Kessinera, Jace Peterson, Christian Yelich, Andrew McCutcheon. They're all hitting in the pocket of about a 245 to a 255. Rowdy Tellez has seen a little bit of a dip in batting average, but he and William Adams both have been able to give it to the team 17 home runs. But really, you don't have anyone other than Mark Brasso, who's been banged up all season long, hitting above 260 for the team. And the Pirates have similar issues. The Pirates have Ben Gamble, Cabrian A's, Daniel Vogelback. You're able to throw in there as well. Brian Reynolds, all guys sitting between about a 240 to, I would say, about a 255. Kevin Newman, who wanted returning to the fold. He's in that vein as well, but Diego Castillo, Michael Perez, Yoshi Satsugo, Jax Wisniewski, Oniel Cruz, all these guys are in a 215 or lower, though, I will say. For Brian Reynolds, Swisniski, Michael Perez, all these guys have a three-home run game since Father's Day, so it's been very interesting to be able to take a look at this team, and with Eric Lauer, not been a good stretch from Jose Quintana with how lucky he's been on balls in play. I do think that there is going to be a little bit of regression with him as well. I did wind up saying my total at an 8.8 as a result, as I do think that this is a Pirates bullpen that they are going to be giving up some runs, so I'm looking at the over. When it comes to Brewers run line, right now you're finding it anywhere between a plus 110 to a plus 115. I needed at least a plus 115 to be able to take a shot on the Brewers run line. I set the minus 183 on the money line, so I'm going to be willing to take this Brewers run line, banking on them being able to get to that Pirates bullpen. So, looking over and looking Brewers on the run line. 957-958 on the main board. The Philadelphia Phillies, the third, they're going to be facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Andre Pallanti is going to be going for the Cards, and Nick Nelson is going to be on the bump for the Phillies. The Phillies are finding themselves at a plus 120. This is currently only up at DraftKings, as we were unsure who the starter was going to be for the Phillies until the evening on Saturday, and if you're taking a look at St. Louis, you're finding them at a minus 140. 8.5 is your total. Over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. 
At current numbers, I'd be willing to lay it with the St. Louis Cardinals. I want to making them a minus 147 favorite. And if you're taking a look at the run line right now, you're finding the Cardinals at a plus 130. I would need more like a plus 135 to take a shot. And I would just rather have the money line here anyway because it has been a Cardinals team that has been struggling in terms of the bats. This is a St. Louis Cardinals team that all of a sudden, they have scored three runs or fewer in all but one of their games thus far in July. Now, I do think that Nick Nelson is exactly what they need to get online. I was seeing Christopher Sanchez perhaps being the starter a little bit earlier. I do think that this is probably going to be a case in which we are going to be probably seeing both Christopher Sanchez along with Mr. Nelson out there. And for Christopher Sanchez, he's been used mostly out of the bullpen. He's made two starts. He's made some relief appearances as well. And by and large, he's been solid right around a 348 ERA. Nick Nelson is not someone I necessarily recommend dressing in a whole heck of a lot as Nelson has been appearing out of the bullpen all season long. This is actually going to be his first start of the season. And as far as he's got a 417 ERA of his on, this is going to be a Phillies bullpen game. And for the Phillies bullpen, what I will say about them is over the last... 18 to 21 days. They've actually been the number one bullpen in terms of ERA in the big leagues. I do feel like giving them more ratings is not necessarily the world's greatest thing as you've had Corey Knable do a solid job in that seventh inning role. Sir Anthony Dominguez, Brad Hand, both of these guys have been able to post up a sub two ERA, but pretty much trying to get nine innings out of this bullpen is not necessarily ideal. And then you do take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals and despite the fact that the offense has had some rough goes of it recently, you still have quite a few guys they're able to get on base. Dylan Carlson, Nolan Gorman, Juan Yepes are on their time. Edmund, they're all in between about a 250 to a 265. Nolan Arenado's been able to hit a 290. He's been able to crank out 17 home runs. Paul Goldschmidt, 423 on base, 340 batting average, 19 home runs out of him. They have a deal with a few guys. They have been in and out of the full. Brendan Donovan wound up missing yesterday's game, and instead, you wind up having out there Amando Sosa. That's a difference of a 290 batting average to a buck 75. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies, you have a lot of guys that just in general are in between, I would say, about a 238 to about a 250. Nick Cassianos, Reese Hoskins, JT Riamuto, Matt Veerling, Didi Gregorius. All these guys are sort of in that fold, though I will say for East Hoskins over the last three days, hitting nearly a 300. He's been able to get the team 17-plus home runs. Kyle Schwarber only hitting about uh, 220, but 335 on base, 27 bombs thus far this season. So I think that this is an interesting dynamic. And for Andre Pallanti, yeah, felt like there was going to be a little bit of negative regression for him coming in because he's not necessarily much of a swing and miss guy. Only has a 303 ERA. He does a good job of being able to get ground balls, but I mean, he's giving up less than a home run per nine innings despite the fact that his swing and miss stuff Far from supreme, getting in the neighborhood about five and a half to six strikeouts per nine innings. And he also gives up nearly four walks per nine innings as well. Got lit up in his last start against the Atlanta Braves, giving up seven runs over the course of three and two-thirds innings. I did think that he was doing for a little bit of negative regression, so I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a higher scoring game, but now you've got Genesis Cabrera back in the fold for the St. Louis Cardinals bullpen. He's been able to post up a sub-three ERA. Giovanni Gallegos spent a little bit up and down this season, but still 325 ERA for him. Ryan Elsley, sub-one ERA, so this is a relatively solid St. Louis Cardinals bullpen. I trust in the Cardinals being able to get it done against pretty much a Phillies bullpen game, and he did wind up saying this total at 9.2. I do think that this is why the Cardinals bust out with the bat. So, going to be taking a look at the over on this 8.5 and, and willing to lay up to a minus 147 when it comes to St. Louis. I'm 59.960 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs, they throw it to face off against the LA Dodgers. Julio Arias is going to be going for the Dodgers to be determined. Going to be on the bump for the Cubs. This is going to be a game that is off the board, and I was seeing on fan graphs that they were pretty much expecting this to be 
get sort of a pseudo bullpen game. Matt Schwarmers, who they wound up having lined up for them. So I wound up going with the Fangrass projected starter match former when I wound up making this line. But obviously, this would pretty much be a like opener plus situation if match warmer does wind up getting the start. And I wound up saying the Dodgers at a minus 294 and minus 153 on the run line lane run half. And the total would be one in which I'd be making an eight and a half or less. A total in which I would take over a nine or higher to the under end for Udi Orias. It's been fascinating to take a look at him in terms of his home and road splits in recent years because last year when he wound up winning 20 games, 13 of those wins wound up coming on the road and he had a better road ERA than he did a home ERA. And Julio Rios has just sort of been like that throughout the entirety of his career. Now, he's been able to pitch much better at home recently after he wound up having a little bit of a rough start to the season. He's been able, really able to tame it down. 245 home ERA compared to a 266 ERA on the road out of his seven wins. Four of them have wound up coming on the road. He's given up more hard contact at home. In home runs in 40 and a third innings. At home, five bombs in 47 and a third innings when he's been on the road. But the command has been good right around 2.2 bucks for nine innings in. And if this is the Cubs bullpen game that we are expecting, I do think that they are going to be in for a long one as it's a Cubs bullpen that overall for the season, they're in the bottom four in the big leagues in terms of ERA and just all these guys have really regressed recently over the last 35 days. They've got a north of five ERA. Scott Efforts, Michael Gibbons, both of these guys have a sub 3-5 ERA. Chris Martin has been able to give you right around about a 3-6 ERA, but all of a sudden, Ron Wick has seen his ERA go to north of a 4-5. Anderson Espinosa is someone that they're looking to for innings at this point. It has been a case of which when Mr. Schwarmer has been out there, who right now is a projected starter, and if he doesn't wind up getting the start, he's probably coming out of the bullpen, just allowing a lot of hard contact. 12 home runs in 32 and a third innings. That is over three home runs per nine innings. He's in that time span, also giving up right around four walks per nine innings. He wound up allowing six home runs to the New York Yankees when he wound up having that start. Now, I think that he's a little bit better than that, but he, Michael Rucker, there's not a lot of trusting in these guys. Now, what I will say about the Chicago Cubs is that the lineup is relatively solid for this team. You do have quite a few guys getting on base, and then you've got one power bat in Patrick Wisdom, who's been able to give the team 17 home runs. I will say this as well with Patrick Wisdom. This guy's well on his way to getting over 200 strikeouts this season. That is not necessarily been too terrific as he's got 110 punch-outs in 80 games as far this season. But Ian App, he's been able to hit about a 280-375 on base. Wilson Contreras has been able to do a solid job of getting on base, but he's been a little bit rank- banged up. Rafael Ortega, Christopher Morrell, these guys are in between about a 262-275. Nico Horner has been able to hit about a 300 as well. And for the LA Dodgers, bullpen has been a little bit up and down. And more specifically, the guys that you expected to be Good for the team have not necessarily been as you've had Craig Kimbrell posting up north of a 4-5 ERA versus Sardar Gradrell. It's been a little bit all over the place and he has been experiencing a little bit of ailment so he's probably not going to be available in this game. But Alex Vesey right around a 3 ERA. Evan Phillips, Yancy Almonte, maybe they will post up a sub-2 ERA. And then when it comes to the Dodgers, how about Mookie Betts? And he had 272 with 20 home runs entering into Saturday. Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, along with Kevin Lux, all hitting a 295 or greater. Cody Ballinger has now 11 home runs, but he has continued to struggle. He, Austin Barnes, Max Muncy, hitting below a 215. But Justin Turner, whenever he's been out there, he's really been able to pick it up as well. So this was a spot in which I did want to sing the Dodgers as a relatively sizable favorite going into Saturday. Two out of their last three wins have been by approximately one run. But prior to that, in their first 80 games of the season, they had just four games in which if you wound up taking them on the money line instead of the run line, it would have come through for you. They have not played a lot of one-run games 
all season long. So I do think that that is a little bit of an angle to take a look at the fact that the Dodgers have won darn near 90% of their wins by two plus runs. So I did wind up saying the Dodgers minus 294 on the money line, minus 153 on the run line, and in after less looking over nine or higher to the under as we go 961, 962 on the bang board. It is the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're going to be playing us to the Colorado Rockies. One, Ramon Marquez is going to be going for the Rockies, and Tyler Gilbert is going to be on the bump for the Snakes. The Diamondbacks are finding themselves as right around a pick'em price to a minus 105. So, anywhere between even money and minus 105. Meanwhile, the Rockies, they're a very slight favorite. Anywhere between minus 108 and minus 115. Nine is your total. Over is minus 120. And the under is even. And with the Rockies, set them as a very slight underdog of plus 103. So, being able to get even money on the Arizona Diamondbacks, that is right now what's calling my name. And for Irmar Marquez, it's been a no good, very bad, terrible year. He has given up three plus runs and now 13 out of his 16 starts, allowing 1.7 home runs per nine innings, three and a half walks per nine. His strikeout numbers are not necessarily supreme. I will say this about Marquez. He's been better on the road than he has been at home. A Boeing 717 home ERA compared to a 446 on the road, but still, it's just one of these cases in which overall the season opponents are earning a 287 off of him. He's been giving up a lot of contact. He's been a little bit unlucky this year, but still, not necessarily so great. And for Tyler Gilbert, really struggled at the minor league level over the last two years, north of a 450 ERA at the minors. And when he's gotten called up to the big leagues, it's not been terrific, though. I will say his first start out since he wound up resurfacing at the big league level. One run surrendered in three and two-thirds innings against the San Francisco Giants. He wound up having that no-hitter last season, and it's not necessarily because he wound up getting a lot of swings and misses. He was just able to keep the ball in the yard in general, and he's been able to do a little bit of a better job of being able to get some strikeouts this season, right around eight punch-outs per nine innings, walks per nine rate. That hovers in the neighborhood about three. Not necessarily backed up by a great bullpen, but you're able to say the same thing about the Colorado Rockies, and with the Colorado Rockies, their home and road splits just are not terrific. You're able to take a look at something like a C.J. Crone, for instance. He's got 20 home runs thus far this season. He has had just five of those winding coming on the road. And for the Colorado Rockies as a whole, they have been able to get right around 1.3 home runs per game at home. More like 0.6 home runs per game on the road. And I will say Chris Bryant, he's been able to pick things up. He's got really four home runs over the last seven days. For this Colorado Rockies team, he's sitting right around 300. He's been able to do it home and road. So that's been very helpful for this team. But someone like Brendan Rodgers, he's got eight home runs thus far this season. All eight have won up coming at home. The Rockies, they had about 40 points lower in terms of their batting average when they are on the road versus at home. And then with the Arizona Diamondbacks, you've got guys that are starting to get on base a little bit more for this team. Josh Ross is sitting about a 280. Alec Thomas, he's been hitting more in the pocket about a 245. Dalton Varsho, double-digit amount of homers. He's hitting a 240. Cattell Marte sitting a 265. And you do have Christian Walker. He's been able to slug out north of 20 home runs. Now, I will say this with the Arizona Diamondbacks. With Walker, Buddy Kennedy, Jordan Luplo, you're able to throw in there. Even someone like a Geraldo Perdomo and Cooper Hummel, these guys in a 215 or lower. And with the Arizona Diamondbacks, they get right around a home run and a half per game on the road. Meanwhile, more like 0.9 home runs per game at home. They do have a couple trustworthy bullpen pieces. Sean Poppin, Kyle Nelson, along Joe Manette, typically have sub-3 ERAs. Meanwhile, for the Colorado Rockies, they're home in the road splits. They manifest themselves in the bullpen as well. Someone like Lucas Gobreth, sub-2 ERA at home. North of a 6 ERA on the road. Carlos Aceves has not been great. Right around a 5-ish ERA. The long guy in high block. He's been able to do a bad job on the road right around a 7 ERA when he is away from Coors Field. So you do have a lot of issues in terms of that. Irma Marquez just has not been terrific this season. And 
I think that even with the Colorado Rockies having a little bit of a tough time hitting on the road, this is going to be a relatively high-scoring game. The Arizona Diamondbacks entered into the weekend the top under team in baseball at home. I think that this pitching matchup is going to help reverse that a little bit. I set my total at a 9.7. I'm looking over and with getting the Arizona Diamondbacks at even money, that's also calling my name. 963, 964 on the main board. The San Diego Padres are going to be playing on San Francisco Giants. Alex Wood is going to be going for the Giants and Mackenzie Gore is going to be on the bump for the Padres. The Padres are finding themselves anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Meanwhile, with San Francisco, it's anywhere between even money and plus 110. 7.5 is your total over and under both at minus 110 and when it comes to the San Francisco Giants, I wind up setting them as a plus-126 underdog. I'm going to be taking a look at the Padres. When Mackenzie Gore is not going up against the Colorado Rockies, and you wind up having two really bad starts against the Colorado Rockies, he's got a sub-2 ERA. you got to wonder moving forward if there's one specific team that winds up having its number because one of those was at Coors, but one of those was at home as well. Or if that was just a little bit of bad luck, maybe he's getting a little bit luckier against other teams. I am not sure, but for Mackenzie Gore, he has done a great job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. That I do know about a half home run for nine innings. Four home runs, allotted 65 innings. Now, walks are an issue. He's been giving up right around three and a half walks per nine innings, but at home has been relatively solid. 334 home yard. He's actually been a little bit better on the road with a 306, but just one home run in 29 and two-thirds innings allowed at Petco Park. And with Alex Wood, it's not been a good year for him. 483 ERA overall. That goes to a 514 when he is on the road. It's not like he's given up a lot of hard contact. He's given up a little bit under a home run per nine innings, right around 2.4 walks per nine innings. He has been a little bit unlucky on balls and plays. He's getting right around eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings, and opponents starting at 275 off of him. But, I mean, this is really the second year that he's been sort of pitching like this. And for the San Francisco Giants, this is not the same team that they were last season in terms of their power numbers. You've got Jack Peterson, who's right now the only guy that's been able to give this team a double-digit amount of homers. 17 home runs. He has been terrific. He's hitting right around a 265. But you just take a look at some of the guys that were in the starting lineup yesterday for this team. Brandon Crawford, Mike Yastrzemski, Austin Wins. All these guys hanging between about a 224 to a 230. Warmer Flores is hitting more in the pocket of a 240. Brandon Belt has had himself a rough year. Six home runs and a 210 batting average. Lamonte Wade Jr. is not back to full, but he's hitting below the middle line of 200. And for the Padres, it's still been all about Manny Machado hitting a 315, 14 home runs. One of the best gloves that you're going to find out there in the big leagues, but that guy's coming along for the ride for this team. Jake Cronenworth, Austin Nola, Hassam Kim. You're able to throw in there Luke Voigt hitting between about a 232-240. Luke Voigt now with a double-digit amount of homers. Jose Azucar has been able to find a way on base for the team as well. Eric Cosmer has been a little bit in and out of the fold, but he and Ore Alfaro in between about a 272-280. And for the San Diego Padres, you do have Taylor Rogers, who's been able to do a nice job being able to give you 20-plus saves. Luis Garcia has been solid out there in the bullpen. Nabel Crisman is able to give you multiple innings. He's got a sub-2 ERA. And for the San Francisco Giants, you tell that they're missing Buster Posey because of the way that he was able to really maneuver this bullpen. You do have a couple guys that will be able to do a solid job out there in the bullpen this season. John Brebbia, you're able to throw in there someone like a Camilio Duvall. They've been able to post up sub 3-3 ERA. Sterling Garcia has been solid as well, but Dominique Leon has been a little bit up and down. Now, Tyler Rogers has been better over the last 35 or so days, but he still has a 450 ERA after a little bit of a rough start to the season. Zach Liddell right around a 5 ERA, so I do think that that is going to be a little bit of an issue for the team. I did wind up saying my total at a 7.9. I do think that we're going to see a little bit of a higher scoring game with the way that Alex Wood has been performing, and this is going to be a day game, 110 p.m. local time for his pitch, so that is going to lend the 
Ball winding up traveling a little bit more. And I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression for Mackenzie Gore on the deep ball. So I'm looking over. But with that said, want to lay up to about a minus 125 here with the Padres. So look at pause and looking over 965, 966 on the bank board. The LA Angels at the red face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Austin Voth is going to be going for the Orioles. And Jose Suarez is going to be on the bump for the Angels. The Angels are finding themselves in a pick'em game. As you're finding both the Orioles and the Angels any between minus 105 and minus 110 with 9 being your total, under minus 115 and the over is minus 105. I did wind up making the Orioles a minus 119 favorite. Now with both, you can't think that he's going to be able to lend a lot of length for the Baltimore Orioles. This is going to be start number 5 for him and he has yet to be able to complete a full five innings for this team. And we've noticed it with both. His first time through a lineup, he's actually been able to do a relatively solid job. But then when it comes to turn number two, even if he winds up getting that far that he winds up going to turn number three, has not necessarily been too terrific that wound up bearing itself out in the last two starts. They wound up making us against the Texas Rangers. Couple clean innings, and then he winds up getting lit up a little bit as he's given up a combined six runs over the course of seven and a third innings. His last two starts, I will say only four of them have been earned, and he's been able to do a nice job keeping the ball in the yard in his 12 total innings ever since he was acquired by Baltimore. He's only given up one home run, but that said, also a case in which it is a little bit of a small sample size right now for Jose Suarez. He's always been better out of the bullpen rather than as a starter. This is someone that throughout his career has had right around a 375 ERA coming out of the bullpen, north of a 5.7 ERA when he has been a starter and for Suarez. The big key for this guy is being able to keep the command as he's been giving up right around four walks per nine innings. And on top of that, it is wind up allowing right around a home run and a half per nine innings. Opponents staring at 307 off of him when he is on the road. So there are quite a few issues there when it comes to this LA Angels team. You do have quite a few guys that are able to take a yard, a quadrant of guys. And Taylor Ward throwing their Jared Walsh, Shoei Otani, and Mike Trout that have been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers in for Otani been able to do a nice job moving the line 350 on base. Mike Trout has been in quite a funk recently, but you know that he's going to be able to bust out of it. 370 on base, 23 home runs. You've been able to have Taylor Ward hitting a 300, though, ever since he came off the injured list. Hasn't necessarily been the same guy. And then take a look at the bottom of the full. Kurt Suzuki has not been able to do a lot for the team. Jonathan VR hitting a 220. Brandon Marsh has been able to still hit a 225. And for the Baltimore Orioles, you've got some good table setters for this team, as you've got Cedric Mullins, Trey Boom Boom Mancini. You're able to throw in there Ryan Mountcastle and Austin the Sayers kid. Only a 260 or greater. Mountcastle has been able to give you 14 home runs this season. Anthony Santander, 330 on base, 15 home runs. Now, bottom of the lineup with guys like Edley Rushman, Tyler Nevin, Ode Mateo, Rudan Odor. They're hitting a 220 or lower, but for Mateo, one of the best base dealers out there in the big leagues, Rudan Odor. has been able to give you a little bit of power. And this is a Baltimore Orioles team that has a top eight bullpen in the big leagues. They're going to be relied upon for a lot of innings. And Keegan Aiken, typically been the long guy for the team. And he has been rock solid as. Aiken, you're able to throw in there. Felix Batista, Ode Lopez, Cianel Perez, Joey Creeble. These guys all have a 240 ERA greater. Dylan Tate, he's been regressing a little bit, but still has a 270 ERA. I trust in the bullpen of the Baltimore Orioles much more than that of the Angels. as Aaron Loop, Ryan Tabera, Rossio Iglesias, your 7th through ninth inning guys for this Angels team. They all have an ERA that is above a 350. Jose Quijada at this point has become one of the more trustworthy guys out there in that bullpen, and that's just something that I don't want any part of. So I did wind up making the Orioles a minus 119 favorite. And with the Orioles, they played a lot of unders as far this season, especially with the new ballpark dimensions out there in Baltimore. I do think that that is going to be able to keep the ball in the yard. So I'm going to be looking at this total under set at at 8.7 and looking at the Orioles willing to lay up to a minus 120 with them. 967, 968 on the bank board. The Kansas City Royals they're going to be playing with the Cleveland Guardians as Zach Plesak is going to be going for the Royals and Zach Greinke is going to be on the bump for Kansas City. In the Battle of Zach's, you've got Greinke finding himself 
and between even money and a plus 107. Meanwhile, with the Guardians, it's saying between minus 112 and minus 120, with 9 being your total, under is minus 120, and the over is even. When it comes to the Guardians, I do wind up saying them at a minus 112 on the money line. Right now, I'm seeing as low as a minus 112, and I'd be willing to nibble on that minus 112 because you do have someone in Zach Plesek that does a nice job of not putting guys on cheaply. Right around 2.3 bucks per nine innings, the home runs per nine rate, not terrible. About 1.15 home runs per nine innings. He's been able to do a little bit of a better job recently. Now, I will say this about Plesek, struggles a little bit more on the road, 467 road ERA compared to a 265-ish ERA at home, but still has been able to keep the ball in the yard. Once again, not giving up a lot of super hard contact, which I think is going to be very important for him and for Zach Plesak. He's given up a combined four earned runs over the course of his last four starts, going approximately six innings in every one of the walks. have went up a little bit more since then, but hasn't necessarily been hurting him too much. And then for Zach Granke, he has been a completely different pitcher in Kansas City rather than on the road. 746 road ERA, 214 home ERA, and it all comes back to the hard contact. He's allowed 10 home runs this far this season. He's pitched about 34 innings at home, 35 innings on the road. Nine of those 10 home runs have wound up coming on the road. I do think that the regression monster is going to be setting in from now Kansas City. A little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark, but it was not very friendly to the Kansas City Royals yesterday as you wind up seeing the Guardians put up a double-digit amount of runs and for the Guardians. It's not a team that's necessarily going to be able to take you deep too much, I will say. Two-thirds of their home runs, since they've got 63 in total thus far this season, make it 64 43 of them for the Guardians have wound up coming away from home. And you've got a lot of guys who are able to get on base for this team. Jose Ramirez, Josh Naylor, Stephen Kwan, Amid Rosario, Andres Jimenez, only between about a 277 to 297 with Ramirez. 17 home runs, 66 RBI. He's been the table setter. And Framo Reyes all of a sudden, ever since he wanted coming off the injured list, he's starting to look a little bit more like the guy that we wound up seeing last season. Since he wanted coming off the injured list, he's been able to hit about a 250. He's been able to still got five home runs in 60 at pass and has been very refreshing for the team. And for the Kansas City Royals, you don't have a lot of power in this lineup. I'd be with Junior, the only one that is currently healthy that has been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers. You've got a lot of guys like an MJ Melendez, Ryan O'Hearn, Vinny Fesquino. You're able to throw in there Emmanuel Rivera, Nicky Lopez, Kyle Isabel, and get 225 or lower with Mirfield, along with Bobby Wood Jr. I mentioned before, and in that neighborhood about a 235 to a 240. And Andrew Benatini is sitting above a 300, but with the Royals, this is also the team that said last in the American League in terms of bullpen ERA, and they wound up getting four outside of John Easley yesterday. That's not so great. They had to th- throw out their Michael A. Taylor. That's not good, and Taylor Clark won their better long guys. He's posted up north of a 450 ERA. Joe Piamps has had his ups and downs this season. And for the Cleveland Guardians, it's been a little bit of a wonky bullpen in their own right. James Karinczak wound up getting used up yesterday. He's trying to find himself after beginning the season on the injured list. But Eli Morgan, same advantages. Both of these guys have a sub-350 ERA. Trevor Steven has been able to give you some good innings. And Emmanuel Classe has a sub buck 75 ERA. Has been one of the best closers out there in the big league. So I'm going to lay up to a minus 112. When it comes to the Cleveland Guardians, I did wind up making this total an 8. 8.8 because I do think that Grankies get a lot, a little bit more contact, but that said, this is also a Cleveland team that they don't necessarily pound out a bunch of homers, so I think we're going to see a little bit of regression from yesterday's outburst of runs. So, looking at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at Cleveland up to a minus 112, 969-970 on the main board. The Chicago White Sox are going to be playing with the Detroit Tigers as Drew Hutchinson is going to be going for the Tigers and Michael Kopech on the bump for the White Sox. The White Sox are finding themselves in between minus 180 and minus 190 favorites. 
in between plus 160 and plus 165 is your price on Detroit. 8.5 to 9 is your total on the 8.5. The over is minus 120 and the under is even on the 9. Under is minus 125 and the over is a plus 105. I did wind up saying my total is 7.9. I'm going to be taking a look at the under of the Detroit Tigers. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. They won getting shut out yesterday as this is just a bunch of in general. They have not been able to do a great job of being able to put back the ball, but the reason why they're playing over 60% of their games the under thus far this season is that the bullpen has actually been relatively decent for the Tigers as well. We'll dive into that in a minute, but I mean, speaking of these struggling bats, Tucker Barnard, Jonathan Scope, Jameer Candelario, Cody Clements, Spencer Torkelson, Javi Baez, all guys hitting at 220 or lower for this team. It has been brutal to watch. Avi Bias is right now leading the way in home runs with 8th, by the way. The Detroit Tigers is collective. They got fewer home runs than Anthony Rizzo and Aaron Judge of the year. Yankees have. And then with the Chicago White Sox, this has been a team that has been able to heat up with their bats as Andrew Vaughn, Luis Robert, along with Jose Abreu, all in between a 290 to a 300. And for Abreu, he's been hitting right around at 335 over the last 35 days. Tim Anderson, he's hitting at 320 as well. I will say this about the White Sox. They have been able to hit left-handed pitching much better than righties. About 40 points better on their batting average against lefties and righties and their home runs per at-bat rate nearly doubles. But you've got Sebi Zavala, who's been really good for the team. He's sitting at 340 as well. For the White Sox, all of a sudden their bullpen is looking a little bit better. You do have Kendall Graveman, Liam Hendricks, a pair of guys that are locked down in the late innings. Ronaldo Lopez has actually been halfway decent out there in the bullpen. And to my surprise, Jimmy Lambert as a guy that's able to give you multiple innings. He's been able to do a good job when you wind up getting into guys like a Joe Kelly and company that is not necessarily too terrific. And then you do take a look at the flip side for the Detroit Tigers team. And they've been dealing with a little bit of an ailment to Willie Peralta. But Michael Fulmer is able to give you multiple innings. Alex Lang has been tremendous out there in this bullpen. Gregory Soto is one of the more lights out closers you're able to find out there in the big leagues. The big trepidation that you've got with this team. What are you going to be able to get out of Drew Hutchinson? And Hutchinson, someone that has seen is plenty of cups of coffee up there at the big league level thus far this season. A 430 ERA giving up just two home runs, but he's also giving up nearly five blocks per nine innings. Not someone that's going to lend a lot of length, and that means that you're going to have to dive into a bullpen that has seen quite a bit of usage thus far this season for Hutchinson. Not necessarily much of a swing and miss guy either, giving you right around six half to seven strikeouts for nine innings. And Michael Kopech, he is beginning to see a little bit of regret as he has now given up at least three runs in each out of his last four starts. Two of them did wind up coming at home, and I mean, man, the White Sox have really been struggling in Michael Kopech's starts recently. They have lost each out of the last five, and they've went one and six in his last seven. That said, Kopech at home, 320 ERA. He has been giving up a lot more of the deep ball recently. He wound up giving up one home run over the course of his first 45 innings. He's now given up eight home runs over the course of his last 30 or so. So I do think that it's probably going to be somewhere in between on that. He's been giving up right around four and a half walks per nine innings as well. Swing and miss stuff is still solid right around eight strike cuts per nine innings. And going up against the Detroit Tigers, that is obviously a little bit of a confidence booster as well. So this is a situation where I did wind up saying the Tigers as a relatively sizable favorite. I want to make them minus 205 on the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line, I was willing to lay up to minus 105 with the White Sox. You're finding that a little bit closer to a plus 105. So I'm going to be continuing to ride the just low scoring games in general of the Detroit Tigers. I'm looking at an under as I wind up saying my total at 7.9. I think that Hutchinson probably not going to last long, but he's 
he's backed up by that solid bullpen that is going to be able to help them out. So looking at it under and looking White Sox front line, 971, 972 on the banging board. The Texas Rangers are going to be playing up the Minnesota Twins as Don't Don't Call Mal Bundy is going to be on the bump for the Twinkies. And Dane Dunning is going to look to get her Dunning for Texas. Texas is back to being a favorite of anywhere between minus 113 and minus 120. Meanwhile, if you're able to look at Minnesota, it's anywhere between even money and plus 107. 8.5 is your total over his minus 115. And the under is minus 105. And for Dane Dunning, something that you've always got to be taking a look at with him. Home and road splits, they have been some of the most demonstrative in the league ever since he wound up going over there to Texas. And that is a big reason why I did wind up saying the handicap that I did in this spot. I wound up making the Rangers a minus 134 favorite. So I'm going to be taking a look at them with the Dunning overall this season. He's giving up right around one home run per nine innings, 3.2 walks per nine. But once again, those home and road splits. 283 home ERA compared to a 552 road ERA. And last year, it was the exact same thing, where his home ERA was about half of what it was when he was on the road. And he's going to be facing off against a Minnesota Twins team that you've got Luis Arias in the fold, who has been absolutely incredible for this team. He's been with right around about a 350 thus far this season, has been really one of the best table setters out there in all of baseball. And then you've got Byron Buxton, who's been down with the batting average, but 22 home runs thus far this season. We certainly saw the Minnesota Twins and the Texas Rangers wind up being able to a couple deep balls yesterday and with the Rangers what really stands out to me is a balance with regards to power. You don't necessarily have quite a bit of that with the Minnesota Twins because with the Twins it's really been Byron Buxton and now you do have Gary Sanchez who's been able to give you 10 home runs but he's hitting right around 220 for the team. You do have Alex Karoloff, Ore Palanco, Jose Miranda, all these guys in between about a 242 or 250 are able to throw in there. Max Kepler as well and Carlos Correa has been solid at being able to get on base not so much with the power but for the Texas Rangers I remember on Friday, first game of the series, out of their nine starters, seven of them had at least 10 home runs thus far this season. And you now got Marcus Simeon who's been able to pick it up. He's got 11 home runs over the team's last 45 games. He's been able to hit right around at 240 along with Corey Seager. And Seager, he's been able to go deep now 18 times thus far this season. Abel Lee Garcia is hitting at 250 with right around 16 home runs. Cole Calhoun has been able to give you a double digit amount of homers. Laoti Tavares, Nate Lowe. These guys are in between about a 280 to a 290 end for the Texas Rangers. Brock Burke has been amazing out of this bullpen. Sub 2 ERA. Joe Barlow has been a little bit up and down recently, but Dennis Santana, he's been able to provide a Sub 2 ERA. Matt Moore, he got used yesterday, but only for one pitch. He's got a ERA that Suffering right around two as well. And for the Minnesota Twins, they had to go to Yohan Duran yesterday, along with Griffin Jacks, two of their longer guys, two guys to provide a sub three ERA along Trevor McGill, which means that they're left with less than trustworthy guys like Akil Theobar, Emilio Pagan, guys that you really don't want too much of a part of. Jarrell Khan is actually a former Texas Ranger who's had a little bit of an up and down season as well. But you know, look at the man that's actually going to be starting for the Minnesota Twins. Don't, don't call me Al Bundy. It certainly has been a case of which he has been keeping the ball in the yard a little bit more this year, right around 1.35 home runs per nine innings in the walks. He's not going to put guys on cheaply, right around 1.4 walks per nine innings, but with that said, when it comes to Dylan Bundy, he has been giving up a lot of rockets when he has been on the road. 589 ODRA, 210 home ERA, 8 out of the 11 home runs that he has rendered have been away from home with opponents hitting right around 300 off of him. It's always been a little bit of a bugaboo for him, and I do think that it's going to be a bugaboo once again for him. So, I did wind up saying the Texas Rangers at a minus 134 favorite in the spot. I'm going to be looking to lay it. I did wind up setting my total at an 8.8 as well. So, on the 8.5, looking over and looking Rangers. 973, 974 on the betting board. The Oakland A's, they're going to be playing out the Houston 
Houston Astros as Jake Odorizzi is going to be going for the Astros and Cole Irvin is going to be on the bump for Oakland. Total on this game is 8 over and under are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115 with Houston. You're going to be finding them between minus 175 and minus 185 plus 162 plus 165 is going to be your price on Oakland and when it comes to the A's, I did wind up saying them as a plus 198 now. Jake Odorizzi's first start back in quite a while against the Kansas City Royals. It was not necessarily so rosy, but he is backed up by a bullpen that is right there with the New York Yankees being number one in the big leagues in terms of ERA, and this has been a Houston Astros team that has been a machine to the under all season long as a result. Over 64% of Houston Astros games have wound up going under the total, and because Framber Valdez wound up pitching pretty much a complete game yesterday, that means that the Houston Astros have all their bullpen bullets in the chamber in this one. Rafael Montero with a sub-2 ERA. Seth Martinez throwing the Ryan Stanek. They've got right around a 1-ish ERA for Houston. They still do have quite a bit of offensive firepower. I do think that just a lot of squandered opportunities yesterday, which is why they didn't wind up coming through with the offense. They have been dealing with a little bit of an injury to Jeremy Pena, and I will say, bottom of the fold, hasn't necessarily been too terrific for this team. Chaz McCormick, Elamendi, ZS, Yuli Gurriel, in between about a 227 to a 230. Nine and they've been able to pick it up a little bit more. Alex Bregman in right around at 240 as well, but the 360 on base helps offset that a little bit. You do have at the top of the fold, Jose Altuve has been able to give you right around 17 home runs along with Kyle Tucker. Altuve hitting right around 280. Jordan Alvarez, 26 bombs, hitting over 300. Now, pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in Oakland, but during the daytime, it certainly plays different than the nighttime when you've got the Marine layer out, and that just knocks down a lot of balls. And for Oakland, you had in the starting lineup nobody that left the game on Saturday hitting above a 242. Now, Loriano has right around a 340-ish on base. He is the only guy with an above a 302 on base that got it at bat yesterday. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Seth Brown, right now, the only guy on the team that's been able to give you a double-digit amount of performers. You've got a little bit of pop in the bat with guys like Sean Murphy, Chad Binder, but that's not necessarily too terrific. And for the Oakland A's, they did wind up having to use up Domingo Acevedo, A.J. Puck, along Zach Jackson. All these guys have a 325 ERA or lower along Sam Mall. Those are pretty much your top four relievers for this team. Now that means you're going to have to look to less than trustworthy guys, shall we say, like an Austin Pruitt, Kirby Sneed, and company. So that's not necessarily a place where you want to be in. I do think that Jake Odorizzi is going to be able to turn it around a little bit more. After the first part of the season, he was looking relatively solid, comes off the injured list, winds up getting just completely shelled by the Kansas City Royals. But even with that bad Kansas City Royals start, overall, as right around a 404 ERA prior to going on the injured list, he wound up having a 313 ERA. Now, when it comes to him, you always do have a little bit of a fear of the walks as he's been giving up right around three walks per nine innings, but has been able to keep the ball in the arc, giving up just two home runs thus far this season. Opponents are going to get 250 off of him, and this is pretty much a rehab appearance for him because he's going up against an Oakland A's team that they just have not been able to put back to ball. And for Cole Irvin, he always does a good job of being able to keep things out in front of him, not putting guys on cheaply, two walks per nine innings, giving up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings, and he's always been a better home pitcher than a road pitcher. Buck 49 ERA at home, but this is also someone that winds up making a lot of his starts during the nighttime, during the daytime. His ERA winds up raising by a full point because he is a little bit more of a fly ball pitcher. I think that the timing of this winds up putting him behind the eight ball just a little bit. Right now, I'm seeing the Astros run line at right around a minus 110. I was willing to lay up to a minus 125, and I did set my total at an 8.7. I think that the Astros are going to be able to get to Irvin and what is a pretty tired bullpen. So, looking Astros run line and looking over 975, 976 on the main board. The Seattle Mariners are going to be playing us to the Toronto Blue Jays. For the Blue Jays, it's good 
Riddle to be determined, and Logan Gilbert is going to be on the bump for the Seattle Mariners. It's going to be some form of a bullpen game for the Blue Jays, and this is a tired bullpen that has been used up quite a bit in this series. As a result, I wound up setting the Mariners initially at a minus 143, depending upon what winds up happening Saturday night and who winds up starting. This is going to be something that might have a little bit more fluidity with it, but I do think that we should be seeing Logan Gilbert as a pretty good-sized favorite, and you do take a look at the Seattle Mariners lineup. They have been able to bust out a little bit more recently, and I took the credit of the bullpen. Over the last 35 days, second in terms of bullpen ERA in the big leagues. Now they've got Ty France in the fold to be able to lend a little bit more production for these pitchers. He's been able to hit above a 300 for this bunch. You've got Julio Rodriguez with 15 home runs along with Eugenio Suarez and with Rodriguez, 21 stolen bases and hitting at 275. Entering into Saturday, J.P. Crawford has been able to get on base for this team now with the Seattle Mariners. The issue that you've got with this lineup is the guys at the bottom. Still more Adam Frazier, Cal Raleigh, Abraham Toro hitting a 225 or Lauren for the Toronto Blue Jays. You really don't have that issue. You've got George Springer seeing a little bit of a dip in his batting average, but selling right around 250 with 15 home runs. Vlad Guerrero Jr. has been able to hit 270, 19 bombs for him. Bo Bichette along with Pat Chapman. Both of them will give you 13 home runs. Lourdes Gurdiel hitting a 300 ever since coming off the injury list. Hey, Oscar Hernandez has been terrific. Alejandro Kirk hitting a 300 as well, but for the Blue Jays, they better hope that Alec Manoa winds up pitching a complete game on Saturday because boy, oh boy, this bullpen is not great. You got to think that Max Kissy will probably get to see a few innings. He did wind up throwing three a couple days ago, but I know that they want to be using Anthony Banda as an opener in that one. 686 ERA. They've been looking to some innings out of someone like Casey Lawrence. Lawrence, I don't think, is going to be available for this game. I won't be surprised if they wind up trying to make a roster move just to be able to get innings in general. David Phelps, Tim Mesa, both have right around a three-ish ERA. Adam Simber hasn't been too bad. He's really been able to sink his ERA in recent days as well, but you got to have a lot of faith here in Logan Gilbert. Gilbert has been able to do an amazing job both at home and on the road. What I will say is that he's had his struggles against right-handed bats when he winds up going up against lefties. That's a little bit better from this is a Blue Jays team that they do have quite a few righties in the lineup that are able to match up. That does wind up having a little bit of an effect here, but that said, for Logan Gilbert, giving up less than a home run per nine innings, right around eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings, and home in the road, relatively consistent as thus far in Seattle, he's posted up a 281 home ERA, 247 ERA on the road, and he has been able to do a nice job being able to keep teams at bay, giving up right around 2.7-ish walks per nine innings. So, gets a bullpen game that is a little bit TBD against the Seattle Mariners. I did wind up setting Logan Gilbert and company at a minus 143, and this is a spot in which and I do think that the Blue Jays are going to be able to get some runs off of Gilbert, but at the same time, they're going to be giving them up themselves. Semi-total at an 8.8. So, in effortless, looking over 9 or higher to the under. 977, 978 on the main board. The New York Yankees have thrown to face off against the Boston Red Sox. Nick Pavetta is going to be going for the Sox and James Tatayan on the bump for the Yankees. The Yankees are finding themselves as a favorite in a lot of books anywhere between about a minus 125 to a minus 130. Meanwhile, you're getting between plus 110 and plus 117 on the Boston Red Sox. 9 is your total. Over is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 130. Under is any between even money and plus 110. I did wind up saying my total at an 8.6, so I'm going to be taking a look at the even money slash plus price on the under Jamison Tyon. If you bet on every one of his starts for $100, he is right now a top five pitcher in terms of profitability. The team has been absolutely amazing when he has taken the mound as thus far the Yankees 13-3 and in his starts. One of those starts was his last one against the Pittsburgh Pirates, which he did not wind up going his way. And I will say this about Jamison Tyon. He's given up three plus runs and now five out of his last six starts, but 
I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a bounce back end. It's actually been a little bit better on the road than at home. 349 road ERA, 373 ERA at home. He has done a nice job not putting guys on cheaply as he's given up 1.1 walks per nine innings, one home run per nine. Opponents are getting a 264 off of him, so I do think that he's been a little bit of a victim of bad luck. Meanwhile, Nick Pavetta, he last year was actually significantly better on the road than at home. This year, relatively equal. 378 home ERA, 359 ERA on the road and has really been able to cut down on the deep ball. Opponents are less than a home run per nine innings off of him. He's getting a fewer strikeouts than last year, right around eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but has been able to do a solid job. But for the Red Sox, they have really had to dive into their bullpen here in this series. They wanted throwing out their three, shall we say, less than trustworthy starters to begin this series. And so Robles was such a disaster out there in the bullpen that about a week ago, he wanted King DFA'd. Phillips Valdez has posted up north of a five ERA this season as he's been banged up. Erikazza Sadamona, John Schreiber have really been your most trustworthy guys for the team as Caleb Ort is someone that they're looking to for innings now. So that's honestly too terrific. But with the Boston Red Sox, what you do know about this team is that the top of the lineup is going to be able to hit for U.S. You've got Rob Remsider along with Yohan Duran, J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, and Rafael Devers lying above a 300. With that said, though, we saw Devers wind up going out with an injury on Friday, did not wind up playing on Saturday. Got to figure that his series is probably going to be done. We're going to see what we're able to get out of him moving forward. And then at the bottom of the fold, guys like Bobby Dahlbeck, Trevor Sorry, haven't been able to for average. I will say for Sorry, 50-plus RBI, but still, you want a little bit more out of him. And then for the New York Yankees, you've got that duo of Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo that has been so prolific. It combined 52 home runs of these two gentlemen. And then you've got Glaber Torres hitting right around 270. He's been able to provide 13 home runs. You did wind up having Giancarlo Sen out there yesterday. He's hitting only about a 235, but he's up to right around 20 home runs this far this season. Matt Carpenter, a career renaissance. He's been averaging a home run every seven at-bats. I mean, it's been insane what we've been able to see out of him. Aaron X has a 360 on base all of a sudden. Isaiah Canerfalefa, Jose Trevino. These guys are able to get on base. And on top of that, the Yankees, they've got out there Clay Holmes. Sub-1 ERA out there in the bullpen. Wandy Peralta has been solid for this team. Lucas Lutke wound up getting off to a really bad start to the season. And under the radar, I believe that he wound up having a little bit of stint on the injured list, but... He's turned himself into a very good reliever for this team as he's got a 0.56 ERA across 16 innings over the last 30 days. So he has really been able to pick it up for this team. I do think that Nick Pavetta is going to be able to land a relatively solid start. And I think that James Tyon, after he's been getting roughed up a little bit, I do think that this is going to be a spot in which both of these teams are going to rise to the occasion on Sunday Night Baseball. And we've seen a lot of really low scoring Sunday Night Baseball games as well. Might be due to the attention, what have you. But with the Yankees, I'm going to lay up to a minus 130 with them. So them as minus 131, so minus 125, minus 130, going to be riding with the Yankees, and I'm going to be looking at an under end. We wrap things up with 979, 980 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds, yes, we are in a Cincinnati. They're going to be playing also the Tampa Bay Rays as Shane Boz, the Boz, is going to be on the bump for the Rays, and you've got Nick Lodolo on the bump for Cincinnati. Reds are finding themselves in between plus 120 and plus 135 underdogs. Meanwhile, with Tampa Bay, it's anywhere between minus 135 and minus 145. Nine is your total over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115, and with the Boz, I set them more around a minus 175 favorite. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Tampa Bay Rays, you're going to be finding a relatively plus money price there, anywhere between plus 120 and plus 125. I was willing to lay a price on the Tampa Bay Rays run line, so I'm certainly calling my name, and I feel like Shane Boz is still one of the most underrated guys in the betting market. This guy was just absolutely amazing at the minor league level, one of the top prospects in all of baseball. He wound up having a rough go of it his first time out. You could tell that he probably did not wind up having the rehab assignments at the minor league level that he's needed, but in his last four starts, this guy has been nothing short of terrific. A combined three earned runs 
surrendered. He has done this over the course of about 21 or so innings. He has given up just one home run in that time span, just six walks, and his swing and miss stuff, it has been very supreme for this bunch as he's gotten 26 strikeouts over the course of his last 22 innings, so he's been able to really excel there. And for Nick Modolo, very good first start against the New York Mets coming off of the injured list. That was the 1-0 win that the Cincinnati Reds wound up being able to get over the Mets. And overall, the season for Lodolo, he has given up three home runs in 19 and a third innings in that start against the Mets. He only did wind up lasting four and two-thirds innings, and that means that you wind up having a Reds bullpen that is nearly a full point clear of every other team out there in the big leagues in terms of ERA and being dead last in that that does not wind up helping out the team. I will say Alexis, he has now the injured list. He's been able to provide right around a 2-5 ERA. You've had Jeff Hoffman be solid for the team, but when you wind up getting into guys like Hunter Strickland, Luis Sessa, Art Warren, whenever he's out there, as he's been a little bit banged up. Dordi Maretta, Revier St. Martin, all these guys have a 5 ERA or greater. And for the Cincinnati Reds, entering into what we wound up seeing on Saturday, they had scored really three runs or fewer in all but two of their games at home thus far this month. So that's been an issue. Now, Brandon Drury has been absolutely incredible for this team. Four hits yesterday. He's been able to give the team 18 home runs. He's hitting in the neighborhood about a 275. And you also wind up having back in the full Tyler Stevenson, who missed quite a while. He's been able to above a 300. Tommy Pham, Taylor Naquin, you're able to throw in there. Matt Reynolds, Donovan Solano, Nixon, so in between about a 242-260. Jonathan India has been a little bit rough for this team. And you do have currently Joey Votto dealing with an injury. But for the Tampa Bay Rays, they also wind up packing up Shane Boss with a relatively solid bullpen. Jason Adam has provided a sub-2 ERA. Colin Pooch wasn't necessarily the world's greatest performance for he and Brooks Rayleigh yesterday. But these guys have been able to do a solid job. Now, it is a little bit of a tired Tampa Bay Rays bullpen as they did wind up only getting four innings out of Drew Rasmussen before he had a bow out of the game, but still, this is a Tampa Bay Rays bullpen that is in the top 10 in the big leagues. They do a good job of being able to mix and match, and I think that they're going to be able to get some good production here out of Boss, but I did factor in that bullpen sort of usage from the Tampa Bay Rays and did wind up saying my total at a 9.3 as a result. So I'm looking at the over and I'm looking at the Rays on the run line. I think that they get to Lodolo and this bad bullpen and that will wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Vison Family Podcast. A big thanks to Mid-Major Matt, a.k.a. Matt Joseph, for joining me in the last segment. If you do like returning from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, say, got an idea, whatever you for this podcast, you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit under score one Keep in mind, letters EM. Maybe it does not matter. So, as per usual, please send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. I'm coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. 
if you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.